Hello and welcome to the Be Less Done podcast. If you listen to it in the last series, you'll know that basically we talk to a bunch of SNC coaches who I think maybe work in different areas than I do, or I feel are real intelligent and I try to learn from them and become a little less dumb in the process. This series, we're going to talk a bit more about business as well. So if you have any interest in that, stay tuned and welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to series two, episode two of the Be Less Done podcast. Our guest today is a very close friend of mine, Eric Lutz. Eric is a businessman and he's also been a training client of mine for whew, about a year and a half now. And he's probably my greatest achievement as a trainer and his transformation and what he's achieved. So Eric, first of all, mate, I hope Mexico is treating you well. And how are you getting on today? Uh, yeah, it's treating me very, very well. Um, you know, not too bad today. Was up early, got to the gym, did my workout. Went for breakfast, got back, watched the inauguration. Today's inauguration day. And uh, yeah, now I'm sitting down and finally getting a chance to catch up with you. Nice. Yeah. So it's been a while. Know, it's been a while. Yeah. Because you, you, like, <laughs> you, you've got that. You put yourself in a position in life where you can just say, fuck this. Fuck being in Toronto for a cold winter during lockdown. I'm going to get out and have some fun and enjoy the sun. And that's kind of, you know, that's the dream a little bit, right? Well, that's the thing, you know, this was, you know, back in the day when I decided to move actually to Mexico, as opposed to just sort of like traveling here and there, um, we weren't in lockdown and everything was open and everything was moving on pretty well. And then things just slowly started to go off the rails and the second wave started to hit. And in the meantime, I had already made plans to really relocate here to Mexico. So um, the timing could not have been better. Um, you know, it, there is a little bit of, you know, poo-pooing the idea of traveling, but, you know, I don't see myself as traveling. Like I have actually picked up my life and moved here for at least, you know, the, the entire season of the winter. Um, so I feel for everybody who is, you know, in the midst of a lockdown, but, um, I'll tell you, sunshine makes it a little bit easier to take. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I mean, sometimes when you're looking outside and it's cold and, you can't do anything anyway, I guess. But yeah, obviously being in the sun, being able to go to the beach and enjoy yourself, it's, it's not the yeah. worst life. It um, really isn't. It really isn't. No, it doesn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> we have probably chatted, I've probably chatted to you more like on a day-to-day level than anyone else in the world over maybe barring my girlfriend, maybe, that uh, like in the last <laughs> year and a half, right? We have probably, we could have, we spent an hour and a half together chatting absolute shit for last day, every day for the last I don't know how long some of the stuff would never be allowed to be on the podcast no so we'll, no no we'll tone it down a little bit today but we'll, we'll we'll start by just touching on how we I guess how we got to know each other in your training journey um and I think the easiest question to start with is what made you want to start and you know obviously if anyone doesn't notice you've lost 70 pounds and completely transformed your body um and just completely completely transformed that anyone who's seen us or what knows about us working together like I said, being one of my greatest achievements. Um, so what made you want to start? Um, you know, it's interesting in that um, there's, a, I think, a number of reasons that made me want to start. Um, you know, I had a very, very ill mother for most of my life. And it was, I know, health was always on our, on our sort of radar and consideration, but it was never about, you know, day-to-day wellness. It was never about physical ability, ironically, since my dad actually has a degree in uh, physical education (laughs) and was like, you know, a, you know, champion, you know, track and field athlete at University of Toronto. And, you know, but it was never really a thing in my family. And, you know, we're all, you know, relatively overweight and none of us were particularly concerned about it because there were other bigger health issues. Um, But all of those health issues came to a bit of a, you know, I had a couple of years ago, I actually used to run half marathons quite a lot and I lost a ton of weight doing it. And then, um, I injured myself. Um, I injured my knee and I had to stop doing it. And I put on a ton of weight, like a lot of weight, all the weight that I'd lost and then some. And, you know, I just, then at that point started like, what am I going to do for a career? And I started my business and I started actually a couple of businesses and, you know, I just sort of neglected myself and I forgot about myself. But then I looked in my mirror one day and just went, I'm really, really unhappy. I'm unhappy with how I look. I'm unhappy with how I feel. And um, then I lost my mom to a number of, you know, health issues, but one of them was congestive heart failure. And I thought, wow, this is something that's actually avoidable. I don't have to go down this road. And, 
you know, I've got to do something about it now. I was 45 when I started, just for anybody who's like keeping track that's, you know, <laughs> considered middle age. So it's about time to actually, you know, finally start taking care of yourself. And the, the final straw that broke the camel's back was I saw a picture of myself um, at an event that uh, my agency was putting on and hosting next to a celebrity. And I was mortified by what I saw. And I hated the way that I looked. And I think I went home and cried for two days and thought I've got to do something about this. And that's how it started. I started researching where, what gym I wanted to join, what kind of place did I want it to be? How did I need to be supported? And what commitment was I willing to make to make that happen? And I hadn't really prepared myself to do anything with a trainer per se. It was, I'm gonna go to the gym and I'm gonna just start. It doesn't matter what I do. I just have to start, right? The journey will make itself clear at some point. It always does. You know, as a business person, as an entrepreneur, you never know what the end point is going to be. You have a goal, but you've got to start somewhere. And that's what I thought. I just thought I'm just going to start. So um, really, it was a combination of uh, fear. It was a combination of not wanting to die by the time I turned 50. It was a combination of hating how I looked. Um and just finally being in a place, not only emotionally, but also financially, where I could focus on myself for a change. Yeah, and, and I mean, they're, they're very valid reasons, right? And obviously I know yeah. all this, but it's, it's good to kind of give a kind of pretense to what we're gonna talk about a little bit later. Sure. Um, I mean, when I met you, yeah, it was 270 pounds, am I right in that? 275 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, and what I can remember is one of our first couple of sessions and I knew it was like, obviously it's always going to be a challenge, but I kind of met you and I thought this guy probably has the willpower to want to do it. So I feel like it's not going to be the most difficult thing I've ever done to get you into decent shape. Never is my wildest dreams that I think would get you into the shape that you've got yourself into today. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, I can remember the front elevated split squats. <laughs> we yes. And yep. I was like, Jesus, this, this is a, I've trained a lot of people in my time and that looked like the most pain that I'd ever seen anyone in. And I thought, fuck, I need to reevaluate things. And then you just kept doing them, just kept going. Yep. And it kind of, that's why I want to kind of, the next question kind of leads on to is, what do you think is, did you think was the most difficult part of like transforming your body throughout the year and a half that we did it in? Um, okay, I'm going to be real honest here. I didn't actually find it that difficult. <laughs> like, it sounds like a douchebag thing to say. <laughs> but it wasn't that difficult. And I'll tell you why. It wasn't that difficult for me because I'd made the decision to do it. Right. It wasn't, I'm going to try it and see how it goes. It was, this is going to happen. This is a do or die situation. Literally, no, like this isn't a euphemism. This is literally, I do this or I die. This is either I have a life or I don't. This is, there's no turning back. There is no plan B. So for me, it wasn't that difficult. I found what was the more difficult the only real difficult part of it, honestly, was the, the, once the decision had been made, carving out the space and time in my life to fulfill that commitment. Um, you know, that was fortunately working for myself and having my own company that allowed me some freedom that I could say, yeah, if I need to train at 2.30 in the afternoon, I can take the afternoon off and go and do that because I'm going to be so wiped out and such a sweaty bitch afterwards that I don't want to go anywhere. It's not like I had to try and work around dealing with kids or dealing with, you know, a nine to five job or, you know, in my previous life in advertising where I was working, you know, eight till eight most of the days. Um, you know, so for me, it was, it really, I hate to say it, but it wasn't that difficult. Was I sore? Was I in a lot of pain? Did I curse you out a number of times? Absolutely. But I also tried to keep the eye on the prize that this is temporary. Right. Any pain that I feel around doing this is temporary. My heart rate will recover. I'm not going to pass out. Although I felt like it, though I remember doing that first session of the mm. front elevator split squats, and I thought I was going to vomit right all over you in public in the middle of the gym. And mm. I didn't. I kept it down. I didn't. And I came back for our next session. You know, so was it difficult? Was it hard work? Damn right it was. Um, but in the rearview mirror of seeing it, it really wasn't that hard. I don't know if that's the answer you really wanted, but <laughs> well, the only answer I want is the honest one, right? You know. Well, <laughs> that is that is the honest answer. I did not find it that that hard. It was right. The decision had been made. Making that decision was the hardest part. So if I have to answer, you know, specifically to that point, 
making the decision was the hardest part. Yeah, I, I always say that I only really want to work with people who want to do it, right? Because in any aspect, whether it be sports performance, whether it be training, like we do weight loss, body composition, injury, yep. rehab, all that. If you don't want to do it, there's, there's, always, you know, there's always things in the world you can do, but it, it, it won't work as well unless you really want to do it and you have made that decision, like we just said. Um, yep. And the training, you know, you learn, you kind of, if anyone knows you, you know, like you've developed this love for training and it's made the training yep. side of it. Oh, I lost you there, Dan. Oh, Are sorry, someone tried to ring me. Fuck. It's okay, oh. I'll out. <laughs> Doesn't that just you figure? Listen to last or hear last. Um, we making the choice to do it working with people that have made the decision is the easy one, right? Where it's like, you know, we work with people that do like body composition change and all that sort of stuff. But if the decision is not if it hasn't been made, if it's an attempt, as opposed to actually doing it, I think that's kind of where you're okay. going. Yeah, that. so the, the, one of the important things then, so I'll take 10 seconds and I'll, I'll edit it all out, I'll be fine. Um, mm -hmm. So anyone who kind of knows you knows that you've kind of developed this love for training and it, the training becomes kind of fun on the end of it. I know it's not easy work, but the hard part that everyone struggles with, and especially someone who has like a, a year and a half long transformation like you is the nutrition side of things, right? So how did you have the willpower to stay within your calories, stay on your macronutrients for that long period of time? Well, um, so I think for me, what was really interesting was that it is, I found it a really intriguing sort of, I hate to say it, but it was a math problem. And I, it, I became, it became a bit of a game for me. So um, I was on just for, you know, context purposes, I did 1800 calories a day for almost 12 months. And that was with even increasing levels of training and didn't matter whether I was traveling, anything. I weighed and measured everything. I tracked everything on my fitness pal. Um, but I found it was a game for me. I could plan things out. I could figure out um, how to do meal prepping um, to make it all work for me so that I had the ability to sort of know myself. And I thought if, you know, I wanted to, find the two pieces, both the training and the nutrition together that worked in, in concert with one another to achieve what that goal was. Again, it was keeping the goal in mind. Did I cheat every now and again? Yeah, I did, of course, but it was a planned thing. It was, okay, it's a really, really heavy leg day today. That's the day that I'm going to cheat because I'm going to need to refuel anyway. So just do it. And I didn't do it as a cheat day. I would keep it as a cheat meal and I would plan it. So it was, I had something to look forward to. And I think actually, I just want to backtrack to that for one sec too, because I think the flip side of the, what was the most difficult part of transforming is what was the easiest part. The easiest part for me was that I had a really clear goal and vision of what I wanted it to be at the end of the whole process. What was I going to do? And how would I know when I had achieved that mark as opposed to just sort of throwing it up in the air? And for me, it was lose 50 pounds, because if I lose 50 pounds, I will never have to do this again, because I'm going to go and make this permanent. And, you know, I, I don't know if you really want to talk about that in the context of the podcast, but I feel like we should. Um, that I knew that I was not going to be able to keep all this weight off forever unless I made it permanent. So I made a deal with myself that I said, if I lost 50 pounds, I would go and have either a tummy tuck and have the excess skin removed, which was always going to be an issue uh, because I was so large, or I would have, you know, I'd go and have, you know, surgical advice of some kind to say, how can I make this permanent? So I did end up making that commitment to myself. So I always had my eyes on a prize was just make it to 50 pounds. It's a, it's a, got a defined end state. And if I can make it a game and make it fun and look forward to working with, you know, you um, throughout all that time, which was awesome and fun, and you made the workouts fun. And I could also gamify and challenge myself to figure out how to make nutrition accessible and available to me in a way that I hadn't really thought about it before. Then it was a win-win. It was, all, it, I couldn't fail at that point because I had a plan. Yeah, of course. And goal setting is so important in any aspect of life, but it, it, it really is one of the most important factors when you are looking to achieve something, right? If you haven't got a goal, then you're just kind of working endlessly. Yep. So having that 50 pound goal, and we would set loads of mini goals, right? We'd say, okay, before you go away on your cruise, what yep. was it, last November, maybe you went on the cruise? Am I right? Uh, October. October, last October. Uh, 
Uh, it's actually ago, right? no, believe it or not, it was Jeez. October two years ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where, where did twenty twenty go? Eh? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. that's it, right? We're, we're going to have a certain amount of weight. We're going to hit a certain, you know, lift by this time, or weight on the lift. We're going to progress it by this week, by this week, you know. And people, you know, we talked a minute ago about, you know, struggling with a front elevated body weight split squat, right? To the fact that you end up deadlifting five hundred plus pounds, squatting three hundred and seventy nine pounds on regular basis right you, you yeah. really maybe that's that yeah. uh polo genetics and, and your dad's genetics that you have of being a being a strong lifter but that's some impressive stuff right yeah and, and you know and that's the thing having those goals became a challenge and it gave me again something to work forward look forward to and i knew it was okay every you know six weeks or so we're going to start maybe a new program and i can sort of have some input into that to say you know what i really hate doing this but i really like doing that but you know, like I, you know, I hated doing hip thrusts, absolutely hated them because it was uncomfortable when you're that overweight and you're trying to push that much weight off your stomach. It's really uncomfortable. Um, yeah, I'm sure it's just as uncomfortable when you're a thin person, but it was really uncomfortable, but there was a goal to it. It was to help my deadlifts and my squats get stronger. So I could sort of, okay, fine. I'll buy that for now. And then I saw that it worked, right? The proof is in the pudding. So you know those goals all made a big difference yeah yeah, for me like i mean anyone who's trying to achieve something that you were trying to achieve which was like you know substantial the most important thing is not getting injured right and not um and not being any serious injuries right obviously you lift as heavy weight as you do and you move everyone knows you're going to have some impact in your joints that just comes pass and parcel with it um but yeah that staying staying uh staying healthy was the number one thing right and saying i'm always a big fan of you you i'm a big fan of the person has to enjoy it, right? Have to have fun, like have to. And it's not going to be fun every second, yep. but if you come in every single day dreading it, then you're, you're going to stop, right? Because you're meant to be doing something positive in your life, not giving yourself anxiety every time you come into a gym. And how, letting, like, I'm a big fan of letting some clients have some input into the into the programming as well. What do you like to do? Because we can progress that easier than something you hate doing because you're not going to, you know, you're not going to want to do it, right? You're not going to have, a, mm-hmm. you know, a pep in your step to do them things. Um and yep. if you were to do it all again, Eric, would you do anything differently? What would you change? Is there anything you would go back and do differently? Or do you feel like it was all kind of a learning process as you went? You know, I, I feel like I like to look back to see what would I do, not so much differently, but how would I have made it better? Or what would I, you know, things to avoid, stuff like that. I think I would have probably given myself a bit more leeway um to not beat myself up so much like if you'll remember the first five six weeks that we were training i didn't Mm -hmm. lose a single pound not a pound and i it got i got really upset and it was really disturbing and bothering me and all that sort of stuff but i think now i would now knowing how the process works i probably would have given myself a bit more just you know a, a bit more breathing room to not beat myself up so much um but i also think the other thing i would have done is um, I found tools that made things easier for me, like ordering in a meal service that made meal prep instead of doing meal prep myself, which I can do. I'm also like, I'm a, I've done chef and cook training and stuff, so I know how to cook, but I just found it much easier to let somebody else take that headache away. I probably would have started that earlier. Um, I also found a really good acupuncturist um, who was a sports medicine uh, professional as well. So I found that really helped for when things did get a bit sticky or, you know, if you remember, I had some like shoulder issues and you've realized that, well, it's your part of your psoriasis is not firing properly. And that's why your shoulder is over overworking. And it was, you know, let's fix that. So I think relying on a broader scope of professional advice earlier or professional assistance to really help that goal, I think probably something I would do earlier in the process, but I wouldn't change because it took time for me to get to that point. I also realized I also had the financial capacity for it where a lot of people don't, um, you know, so I consider myself, you know, privileged in that way that I could do it. Um, but I probably would have added that in a little yeah, bit earlier. And, I mean, we're, we're going to get on, to, like, there's two things you said there, right? First of all, you said you were, you, you know, with, like, I keep using the word substantial because it is a substantial transformation. And the more assets you can put on your side, whether that be an acupuncturist, whether that be a physiotherapy, whether that be whatever, you know, your, your meal, your meal plan, that's going to help you. And you said that you're like privileged to be in that yep. position. And you also said earlier about um, having the freedom to train or you work for yourself and stuff like that. 
that's not really a privilege as much for you as like, sure. you put yourself into a position to do that, right? You know, um, now you might talk about yeah. how maybe you sacrificed your health for a little, little bit while you were getting to that position, um, which you kind of touched on earlier. Mm-hmm. But you still had to hit all the work in the business side of things to allow yourself to put yourself in a position to afford it pretty much, right? It, it's, not, it's not cheap to do yeah. what you've done, yeah. right? Not by any means. Um, no, no, so why not you tell at me all. a little bit about your businesses and how you got yourself to that position. Sure. Um, so I am a former um, advertising executive. I used to work in advertising, marketing, uh, communications. And after finally sort of hitting what I thought was sort of the end of where I wanted my career to go inside of agency world and inside client world, I actually started my own uh, business strategy and communication strategy agency uh, with a business partner. Um, and that we ran together for several years and you know it wasn't easy it was one of the hardest things i've ever done in my life that was actually way harder than doing the body transformation that was a lot easier to be honest but um we ended up then pivoting slightly to becoming um, an events and promotions agency so we were doing an awful lot of work doing um you know new business openings and we were doing a lot of um, communication strategy for the entertainment industry um, and it was absolutely awesome but it also meant that my role as the leader of the agency changed from being a doer to being a true strategist and planner and because of that you know the my heavy lifting in the agency really was done up front in short bursts to develop strategy and then it was just people in process management um, and I had a great team around me who took care of the uh, implementation and execution of all of that work. So once my sort of heavy lifting time period was done, which usually hits, you know, January, February timeframe, I had quite a bit of time on my hands. So I, I had developed the agency to be able to give myself the opportunity to explore other parts and other facets of what I found interesting in, in life and just generally. Um, I didn't want to be chained to a desk like in a lot of anybody who's worked in advertising will tell you it's not, you know, a nine to five job. It's a 24 hour day job. Um, That's just the way that works. Um, And I didn't want to do that anymore. I wasn't prepared to sacrifice all of my own self and all of my working hours and all of my waking hours to somebody else. And I wanted to provide opportunities for other people who also felt the same way to, you know, have an actual life. Um, so that's what we did. I started an agency called Navy. Um, the story behind Navy is that it's actually my favorite color. Um, but it's also kind of interesting to think about when we would bring in, we would be brought in to work with clients and we would sell ourselves through as, you know, when you don't know what to do, you call it Navy. And that was us. So we would go in and solve sticky business problems. Um, and, you know, we were doing absolutely great with it. Um, we, we were growing, gosh, like almost 100% growth year over year for the past couple of years. Um, and then COVID happened. Whoops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know a lot of people whose businesses were hurt by COVID, but not probably as bad as yours, to yeah. be honest with you. Well, yeah. I mean, the last event that we ran was in uh, March of 2020. Um, it was an opening for a national brand uh, entertainment complex in Winnipeg and already the Walmart next door to the hotel had already run out of toilet paper and hand sanitizer and rubbing alcohol and all of those things that you know remember back in those days when it was like people were loading up their cars with Costco mm-hmm. toilet paper it was insane um, but yeah we we literally had a complete pause on work and I remember flying home from Winnipeg from that event and writing sort of a memo to the team saying we're going to close down the office until the end of March and then hopefully beginning of April we'll be back. Um, Everyone's going to be paid because all of my staff are freelance. Um, You know, we're not going anywhere. Everything's going to be fine. But let's just for safety's sake, let's just ride this out. And here we are almost a year later still having the same problems. Mm. Right. So, yeah, it was an it was an interesting, uh, interesting time for sure. As a business owner, I mean, you sure. got back from Winnipeg, and we trained on that Friday night, right? Um, and I was meant to be yeah. flying up to Boston, I think, the Saturday morning, right? And 
that was that was yep. what March fourteenth, yep. fifteenth, and by the sixteenth, seventeenth, it was all shut down and all done. So it was, and then we were like, yeah, two weeks. Yeah, we were, everything was initially a two week shutdown. That's you know, we were like, yeah, and then yeah, here we are. we've had a little bit of opening up and back to the gym, but I can't see anything happening in the immediate future. So then that kind of you know, as a true yeah. businessman and a true entrepreneur, you had to kind of start thinking then, right? What are you going to do next? Because I think it became apparent after a while that it was going to be quite a long process. So do you want to kind of tell us what you decided you were going to do yeah. next and go into your new business a little bit? Sure. Well, because I had all this time on my hands and fortunately, you know, we had done financially quite well. So we had quite a bit of a nest egg in the agency. Um, we decided to my business, my former business partner had departed the business a year previously. And my uh, one of my team, who has become my new business partner, and I decided to launch an apparel brand. Um, the genesis of it was that as I was going through my transformation, I was trying to, as a brand guy, that's you know my background is in branding, communications, that sort of thing. Was I was always looking for a brand that would resonate with me and my journey from. I hate to use that dumb expression, fat to fit, but it, it's a nice shorthand. Um, and so, you know, I could either go with something like Lululemon, which I love their products. I love the brand. I think they're fantastic. I like what they, they stand for, but they're also incredibly expensive and they're not terribly size inclusive and they're very gender specific. And I started looking at other brands that were in sort of the direct to consumer space, right? You know, when you look at, you know, the Instagram generation, who are they being influenced by, right? There's brands like Alpha Lead out there who have a really specific core demographic of bodybuilders and I like to call them booty babes because that's really all you see on their Instagram or their booties and you know then you get Gymshark crew which you know I'm a big fan of Gymshark I know they have a, a bit of a reputation in other parts of the world that isn't quite as positive it's a bit uh, but here in North America they're they're a great brand you know they're they're very accessible they have you know cool clothes but if you are outside of their size range, you know, I started buying their clothes at a double XL. I remember getting my first Gymshark t-shirt. So excited to be part of this brand. And it was horrible. I put it on and thought I look like a sack of potatoes in this thing. And I thought, why is there no brand that supports people through their fitness journey that sees them from point A to point B, that, that celebrates all of that, that you don't have to already be you know, 10% body fat to be part of their crew. And I also started to realize that as a gay man myself and representing sort of the LGBT community in my own head, and we work with a lot of LGBT companies as, as our client base with Navy, that, you know, I'm sensitive to a lot of the transgender issues and a lot of what, you know, the queer community goes through. And I looked at Alpha Elite, it's, it's in the name, right? It's all about the alpha male which comes with its own emotional baggage of, you know, misogynistic approaches. It's all about like hard partying and, you know, go home, you know, go hard or go home. All of that messaging I found really disruptive and, and not resonating with me. And I thought there's got to be a brand that somehow straddles this space of being able to speak to people where they are as they are today, but also supports them for where they want to be. And if that's where they, if they're where they want to be, I, why couldn't we just celebrate that right now? So I started thinking about creating that brand. It's something I'd had an idea for for quite a while, and so the timing became right um, to create a direct-to-consumer brand, and that's what I did. Um, we spent the summer last year of 2020 um, product sourcing and supplying, and um, unfortunately, we really wanted to produce in Canada. The problem was every manufacturer of apparel of any description in Canada was so focused on delivering PPE that there was no way to produce it in Canada whatsoever. So we started looking overseas, um, found some really cool suppliers who developed the product that I wanted in the size range that I wanted. And uh, when we were ready in the beginning of October, um, the sister company to Navy was born called Marine. And the name Marine is actually Navy, but in French. So it's a little nod to our Canadian background and heritage is that we've got Navy on one side that does events, promotions, communications, marketing, and we've got Marine that does apparel and lifestyle for wellness. Nice. Yeah, it was, it was real interesting for me to see the whole process, right? Because I've known about this for 
I don't know, quite a long period of time. But the, almost the whole time we've been we've been friends, I think you've known. Yeah, I think so. Time. Yeah, like watching, <laughs> it was really interesting to watch it all kind of come together and what it ended up being. It's like you should be super proud of, right? I mean, all the like little prototypes you show me videos of and all this kind of stuff. It was amazing, right? Um, yeah. And what is what is kind of the future of that? Then are you just going to keep pushing that? Is there anything in particular you're looking to do or achieve with it, or just keep pushing it as long as you can? Well, we're, it's interesting in that um, we we launched actually at, ironically, for an e-commerce brand to launch is probably one of the worst times of the year to launch, even though pre, pre-Christmas is a really good time for sales. It's a bad time to launch a brand, but we learned a lot from that. So uh, we are currently in the planning stages for uh, making a pretty significant marketing push um, for the brand. And we're going to be working with a lot of people in the LGBT community to make that happen and also to provide opportunities to give back, um, something to the community. So, um, that's our big goal for the sort of the next six months with Marine is to, you know, be as impactful as we can, but also Yeah. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> Fuck people. Worst part is it looks like it was a fucking wrong number. I did a re- I just did a reverse lookup to see who the hell that was. I'm like, oh, assholes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway. Um, okay, should, back to you. Should we start, what do we finish up? Uh, it was about the market. I think we pretty much finished. Yeah, we're going to make a big marketing push towards, and that's our big goal for, for this year. I think that that's, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's where we ended off. Yeah. So if you want to just kind of even just, talk about that so i can edit in to the end of the question maybe just because i don't know where you would have lost what you were saying or what i would have on it so um, okay just talk about your marketing push sure i'm just going to give like a few second yeah. breaks so you can sort of yeah cut it easy no problem so our big goals for um, this year is to relaunch our marketing efforts with uh, a deeper focus on the LGBT community. We're going to be working with a number of people in our community um, to make that happen, to both give back to the community, but also to help support a lot of the folks in the community on their own journeys as well. Nice. Okay. So, yeah, so we've talked a little bit about like, what you've done. And now I know you're in the kind of process of doing something a little bit new and you're learning and you're going to, you're looking to become a trainer, which honestly, uh, I'm all behind. I think I know a lot of trainers. I've met a lot of trainers in my time that probably don't even have the intelligence that you have or the experience that you have within what you've learned over the last year. So I'm all, you know, I'm all behind this. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your path into being a trainer now? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is the first time publicly outside of my own very, very small inner circle that I think I've actually spoken about this. So okay. you know, you're hearing it here first. Um, I, I realized that one of the things that I was looking for was how to parlay my own sort of desire to share what I've learned and how to support other people on this journey as well, um, in a way that, you know, that's kind of where Marine fits in, but what else can I do, right? How can I use my own knowledge and expertise? So, um, because I'm here in Mexico now and I have a little bit of time on my hands because, you know, I can't you know, generally work the same way that, that I would. Um, I made the decision just before Christmas to get certified as a personal trainer. And so that's what I'm doing now. And I feel like the, one of the reasons why I decided to do it was because I see a lot of these online trainers who you know, not for nothing, are probably very well educated and or experienced in their own lives. But how much knowledge do they actually know? How much in-depth personal knowledge do they have about what it takes to transform your, not just your body, because that's actually, the, that's just the outcome, but how do you transform a life? And I might get a bit emotional here, so we might need to edit some of this out. And feel free to, as you need to, but it was absolutely life-changing for me to go through the process and I know what it takes to make that decision and stick to the decision and I don't know if you haven't been through it if you have the same depth of in your bones knowledge um, to do that how to motivate somebody else to take those same 
to make the same decisions or to make those same similar decisions for their own lives as to what's going to help them take back control. Um, you know, I see a lot of these, you know, you, we all, we're all on Instagram and we see, you know, like the throwback Thursdays of to like two years ago when I was only 10% body fat and now I'm 8% body fat. Yeah, well, screw you. You know, fuck you. When you're 39% body fat like I was and you want to get down to 14%, which I am now, you tell me that you know how to do that. And I'll, you know, I don't believe a word you say. But, you know, if somebody says, you know, I've been there, I've done it. I know the bullshit answers you're going to give yourself. I know the bullshit excuses you're going to use. And we're going to address them together. And we're going to help you move forward because that's what you need to save your life. Right. That's the kind of thing that it motivates me now to want to do that, um, to help other people. And I'm starting to see some, some, you know, on, even in my own inner circle, people are obviously, I look a lot different than I used to. And people are starting to ask, how did you do it? And I was like, well, first of all, I found a really good trainer, right? I happened to be paired up with probably, I think one of the most inspirational people I could ever have met because he didn't let me get away with shit. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, all I did was shout at you four times a week. You did the rest, mate, you know that. No, I know. But, you know, the reality is that, you know, I want... I want to be able to pass that on. I want to be able to share what I've learned and how I did it with other people um, in a way that's true and authentic, because I feel like that's something that's missing in the sort of quote unquote fitness world right now is authenticity. Everybody is, you know, yeah. Yeah. If you're 24, 25, no, no slagging off anyone who's 24, 25, Danny, <laughs> but right. I'm 47 now. Right, I've lost 75 pounds over a year and a half. Yeah, some of it was through surgery. I'm completely transparent about that, you know. But I got there myself. Um, you know, I I'm the one that put in the time and the effort and the money to do it. And, you know, I feel like if I can do it, literally anybody can do it. It may not. You may do take longer. You may do it in a shorter period of time, but it can be done. I'm living proof that it can be done. And I feel like that's that's got to be worth something. You know, I mean, it's, it's a whole different perspective, right? You know, it's it's on even the achieving it and what it takes, but also the the realizing the investment it takes and the clarity of the investment it takes on time, on financial, on everything, right? You you'll yep. take a whole different perspective into being a trainer, um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be important, right? You're gonna be able to be very clear with people, and you, you like you said, there's don't get me wrong, there's amazing trainers out there, and there's it's the most oversaturated market in the world, but you do bring a different perspective to it so i think you can be super successful and i think you'll be really popular and i think you can do a really good job no doubt um do you want to tell well, people thanks. about the course that you are currently taking sure sure um anybody that knows me knows that i tend to once i've made a decision it always looks like a really snap decision but there's always been a ton of research that's gone into it except this time this was a pretty snap decision um <laughs> i started i signed up with issa um pretty much because i said I sent you a text, I think, and said, hey, if I was going to get trained as, uh, and certified as a trainer, um, which one should I do? Will this one work? And you were like, yeah, that should do. <laughs> <laughs> and so I started looking them up. They happen to have a really good deal on for their elite training program, mm. uh, elite trainer program. And I said, you know what, I'm going to do this one. I probably will go and do others as well at some point or do challenge exams or something like that. So I'll have multiples. Um, but what I really liked about this one was that it had a core CPT certified personal trainer program. Uh, it's done hundred percent online, which I also really needed to have happen because, you know, during COVID I didn't need to be going into classrooms and doing that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, it was relatively affordable in that it's, you know, it's a monthly payment scheme. So it's not like I had to outlay, you know, two grand up front. Mm -hmm. um, but also they have a lot of really interesting special specializations that I could add into it. So as the, the elite trainer program, there's also a nutritionist program that I will, I will be certified in, which will help, you know, obviously talking to people about when they're transforming their bodies, how to actually do nutrition properly. Um, and then there's also a specialization um, that I'm taking in um, body transformation. So, you know, I'm, I've kind of set myself up in this way that with this program, it will support the goals of actually doing what I want to do, uh, which is to help other people do what, achieve what I've achieved. 
Yeah, for sure. And me and you both know, right? You know, it's it's a it never ends, right? The continual education of everything in life. Oh yeah, you know, training. So when you when you told me what you wanted to do and gave me the couple of options, and you know, obviously in the capacity that we're in, it's all going to be online regardless, pretty much. And Sunday allows you to do it from the beautiful beaches of Mexico. Obviously, helps as well. <laughs> Um, that doesn't hurt that doesn't, doesn't hurt. hurt it never hurts and you're gonna you're gonna get all your practical experience i know you're, you've already got you've heard me coach you every day through every every lift imaginable you know a lot yep. of coaching cues you know now obviously practice implementation is something that you have to do but you'll you'll everyone yep. everyone needs hours of work right you know um it's always going to be that way so really for you it's all about trying to get that more knowledge to kind of broaden your knowledge that you already have and just keep getting yep. educated every way you can. So, of course, this is the first one. Then you just keep adding them, adding them, adding them. And you get learned exactly. learn for experience, right? It's like any other industry, you know? Exactly. And, you know, it's this program that I, I'm about, I'm about the 60% way through the program already. Um, and now we're hitting the stuff that I actually am very interested in, which is, you know, how do you develop programs for people? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is kind of interesting because now, I mean, I, I know from a practical application perspective what we did and why we changed and how we changed. Like I've learned from you on that, but now I'm understanding sort of the the basis for all of that, which I didn't have before. So I'm finding that really fascinating. Um, yeah, I had to go through some of the less, the science, you know, of how muscles work and, you know, the ATP pathways and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know what, honestly, you know, I, I don't care about that stuff. I, it's good to know. It's interesting. It's science. It's chemistry. Yay. Yay science. But, you know, to the average, you know, person like me who just says, dude, I just want to lose like 20, 30 pounds. They don't give a shit about that stuff. But mm-hmm. I need to know it so that I can understand why we do certain things in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I'm getting to the really cool stuff. So I'm, I'm really quite enjoying it. Of course. And you know, you've always got me to ask or bang any questions off anyway, you know, so it's always going to be, it's going to be an easy Oh, exactly. Approach. And I, I have so much faith in you. <laughs> compared to some <laughs> people. You know, I've done, I've had people come in for job interviews that I wouldn't, I'd still probably take you as a trainer over them right now, <laughs> regardless of qualification. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, uh, it is, uh, you'll be absolutely fine. And it, it's exciting, right? It's, you know, even if it becomes, you know, everything, everything needs, you know, diversifying your income right now has never been more important right um yeah i look at like you know us for example as a gym being closed for six months of the year is not great for any trainer right so have, yep. having something online having you know your your navy your marine and now this it's all going to help you in the long run and you know yep. anything you put your mind to it seems to work out so i have loads of faith in you well i appreciate that and you know and and if it doesn't work out the way that i think and it works out in a different way that's okay too mm-hmm. but it's you know, that, that's how you build an interesting and creative life. And that's kind of what I'm all about right now. And I think the fact that you're right now sitting in Mexico, <laughs> enjoying yourself, shows you that you can achieve what you put your mind to. So I wouldn't worry yeah. too much about things, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I don't mind, you know, the fact that I can sit on the terrace and uh, in the sunshine and, you know, sit there and read and do exams and stuff. It, it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Uh, you know, we've spent a, a lot of time together over the last year and a half or whatever, barring maybe the original lockdown and everything. Um, the one thing we that's always kind of interesting me that I, we've never really chatted about is, is your knitting career and how you're a little bit of a knitting celebrity. Do you want to kind of talk us through that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's a bit of a, an odd story. Um, you know, I am in the knitterati world a relatively well-known figure. Um, it's kind of one of these odd little subcultures that unless you're a part of it, you'd never know it actually exists. Mm. Um, but I guess about six or seven years ago, um, my ex-partner and I were sitting around, you know, just bored on a Friday night and wondering like, oh my, we really need a hobby. We need something to do. So he, I think sort of semi-jokingly said, oh, we should learn how to knit. So let's go to the craft store and like, pick up stuff to knit. There happened to be a craft store, like, you know, five minute walk from where we were living at the time. And I was like, well, I used to knit. My mom taught me when I was a kid. I'm sure we could figure it out. Well, watch YouTube. Like you can learn anything from YouTube these days. So we went and started and I made this horrible, horrible scarf that I I don't think I still have it. (laughs) Um, But then I learned about this whole world of um, YouTube channels and people that were like knitting celebrities and they would talk about like all this amazing, cool, 
you know, bespoke hand-dyed yarn that people would make these great projects out of and, you know, designers that were, you know, a cottage industry of, you know, creating these really cool designs for people. And I thought, oh, this is really neat. So I ended up thinking, well, there's no men in this. Like there's like, at the time, I think there were two guys doing it. It was all women. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I, I can do that. I need something to do. So I turned that into a hobby. So I do have a YouTube channel. Um, I think the last time I posted something to it was actually, I hate to say it, but it's almost a year ago. Um, but it was, I still have, I think over 10,000 subscribers or somewhere thereabouts, um, which now in the YouTube world is not huge, but in the knitting world, that's still pretty big. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so I just became known as this guy who, you know, people would turn to because I was, you know, polite and Canadian, but also no bullshit. And if I thought a yarn was not great or a pattern was badly written, I would say so. Um, but then I also started my own knitting magazine, which unfortunately is not being published anymore. Um, that was all about knitting for men with patterns for men because I'm a big believer in, you know, either put up or shut up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I created my own knitting magazine for the world to, to take. So, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've had a lot of businesses in my career mm -hmm. and, you know, I love doing it. And for me, it was always, interestingly, I'm surprised that men, more men don't knit because knitting is actually math and engineering. And those are, you know, typically things that, you know, guys are kind of into, um, but it's really, I find it really cool. You know, it's, you know, you get this big ball of string, basically, and you can turn it into any color, any shape you want just through math and engineering. It, it's interesting. It's cool. I love it. That reminds me, I do have a pair of mittens I owe you from last Christmas <laughs> that I haven't finished yet. I wasn't going to bring it up. I wasn't going to bring it up. And it was, I was gonna well, say. that's okay. I, I eventually will have it, you know, finished at some point. At that's some point. Okay. <laughs> It'll be summer again. I won't need it, but we'll be fine. Don't worry that's it. all right. That's all right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, no, I, I find, you know, for me, it was always, it was a stress reliever. Mm -hmm. um, it got me through some tricky times because it really you can do other things, you know, once you're actually good with knitting, you can, you know, I would watch movies, I'd watch entire TV series, and it was a good way to sort of while away the hours. Mm -hmm. um, in the beginning parts of the first lockdown in, in Toronto, I was productive. I made all kinds of stuff, uh, like huge, huge knitting projects, because I had the time to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, now that, you know, now living in Mexico, there it's a little warm here, so I'm not doing an awful lot of knitting, but Socks still happen. I'm still making socks. Mm -hmm. Nice. Do you have any uh, thoughts on maybe going back and doing more videos on that side of things? Or You know what? I don't know that I will. I might at some stage, probably not whilst I'm living in Mexico, but mm -hmm. um, I would like to. The problem is, is just the, the competition is so stiff now for you know eyeballs out there. And the, the bar has been raised so far that I don't know that I have the the willpower <laughs> ironically <laughs> to commit to doing that because they're so good now and you know when i started it was very much like this like turn on your phone and people would just record for an hour talking about whatever project they're working on and it was you know it was very much more um homegrown approach now it's like multiple camera angles and lighting setups and you know i just you know, it's not really my thing anymore. And, you know, truth be told, I'm spending, you know, an hour and a half in the gym, you know, pretty much every day. I spend a half hour figuring out the next day's workout, you know, or programming what my new periodization is going to be, or, you know, figuring out what my nutritional plan is going to be for the next couple of days. Like that's, that's more sort of become my, my day-to-day -day passion. Whereas knitting is more of a thing that I can do while I'm, you know, rewatching all of Homeland, which is what I'm working on right now. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's been great talking to you. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up? I'll give you a chance to plug everything because there's a lot to plug. Um, but um, is there anything you'd like to touch on before we we wrap it all up? Um, the only thing I think that I would really love to sort of, if I was going to leave anything as a, you know a takeaway, is the number one thing to figure out for me was to just start. And you know my mantra has always been progress, not perfection. It's always mm -hmm. about one foot in the front of the other and then figuring it out as you go. Because if you wait for something to be perfect, you'll never do it. 
if you mm-hmm. just just start it doesn't matter what it is if you want to start a business start a business if you want to you know lose weight then just start with going for a walk you know if you are already you know in fabulous shape start with sharing it with somebody else right just start something don't sit there on your ass and expect it to just happen and come to you because it won't like that's the uh, that's the thing that i've learned is just don't so just start yeah it's pretty good advice eh? it can't you can't hurt it can never hurt to start doing something right you know Um, exactly and make a start as like you want to achieve so tell tell me where can everyone find marine navy all this stuff um so uh navy is navyagency.com um you can see a little bit about who we are and what we do there um we are doing an awful lot right now we probably won't until summer of 2021 um, though things are starting to come back a little bit. So, you know, planning stages, so that's a good sign. Uh, Marine can be found at marinestyled.com where uh, you can see what products we have available and, you know, what we're about there. Um, YouTube, if you're interested in the knitting stuff, and I don't expect that most people that listen to your channel are, but if there are some out there, feel free. Um, I'm at sticks plus twine, which is like sticks plus a plus sign twine, uh, on YouTube. You can find me there. Um, and if you feel like checking me out on Instagram, you'll probably see a billion links all over the place around this podcast shared everywhere, but it's e.p.lutz, uh, is my Instagram handle. Perfect. Mate, thank you so much for coming on today. It's, I mean, it's always a pleasure chatting to you and I spent, like I said, I've probably spent as much time with you as anybody in the last year. So it's been really yeah. nice to get to know you and um, I hope you come back soon. Not too soon. Wait for it all to open up and <laughs> hopefully we can go and have a beer sometime or something like that. Wouldn't that be nice? It would be like, nice. Honestly. <laughs> well, you know, if there was any way that, you know, you could come and work from down here, then that would be, you know, optimal. But yeah, at some point I will be back in Canada. That much I know. For sure. Man, look after yourself and I'll talk soon. Likewise. You too. Thank you for listening to season two, episode two of the Be Less Done podcast with Eric Lutz. Eric's, like I said, quite a close friend of mine. I've been really looking forward to having a chat with him for a while. So thank you to him for coming on and really enjoyed it. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk to Jordan Kells, who's a sales coach, and he's going to talk all about how you should build your social media and monetize it. We're then also going to talk to Jack Clark about all things S&C. Then Ada Mackie's going to come on and have a little bit of chat about nutrition. So if you do enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and stay tuned for more.